consumers really is that the demand in Australia has just accelerated where Australians have realised actually there is an opportunity here to align their investments, their retirement savings with the kind of world they want to create, but also to ensure they're not investing in really harmful activities. Welcome to the latest Fincia podcast. Uh, I have with me today Simon O'Connor of the Responsible Investment Association of Australasia, who uh, I've been spoken to a few times over the last few years uh, as responsible investing is probably getting more airtime, more headlines. Uh, And it's an interesting, really good to catch up with you again, Simon. Um, But what I wanted to do was set the scene and, and take you back I've seen, I think that you talked about it and say, said that uh, responsible investing had gone from 18 billion to uh, more than 1 trillion in the last decade. Can you give us a little bit more about why? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Lewis. Good to chat again. Um, look, I think there's been a few things that have really driven this industry to go to move from, you know, a little cottage sort of sector within the broader finance sector to be really a, a very much a, a, a norm within investment markets now. Um, and I think we are at that point today where, you know, it's really become a license to operate for fund managers and super funds out in the market that they need to have a position, a policy, a perspective on how they approach responsible investing. And, and I think what's, there's probably three main drivers behind that over that, if you think of that across the decade, Um, Firstly, I think, and most importantly, this whole sector has proven itself to help competitive returns to effectively underscore better investment outcomes. By by fundamentally, this is about managing risk, you know, ESG, sustainability risks, those things that traditionally weren't on a P&L statement or weren't in a financial statement and were considered non-financial. I think today more than ever have proven themselves to be critical to understanding how markets are moving, how valuations are moving. Um, And so, that sort of we're now at a point where there is this long history of demonstrating that fundamentally the companies we invest in who manage sustainability issues better um, make better investments. They're better. They're better managed companies, better governed companies. So you've got that sort of competitive element, which has really helped in the mainstream acceptance of this. Secondly, there's a really interesting dynamic going on right now here and globally around this is becoming a compliance issue. We've now got our regulators talking about the need to consider climate change risks, broader governance issues, broader risks, um, and that is just accelerating around the world at a rate of knots right now, where this has been embedded in that core regulatory framework of the financial services sector. And thirdly, but not at all, least of all, is, is really our consumers. So I've got, you've got the three Cs there from competitive compliance consumers. Consumers really is that the demand in Australia has just accelerated, where Australians have realised actually there is an opportunity here to align their investments, their retirement savings with the kind of world they want to create, but also to ensure they're not investing in really harmful activities. And I think increasingly Australians have realised they have choice. They have choice in terms of where they're invested. They are demonstrating that choice by a willingness to, to move. And so that's just created this kind of momentum across the whole sector that has really shifted this to become fundamentally kind of, you know, a core part of mainstream investment management today. Okay, thank you. That's a that's a really uh, a really good recap. Uh, um, what I wanted to ask now is that uh, although we've probably been uh, warned not to predict things uh, given twenty twenty, you know, you talked about the fact that it, you're expecting it to grow uh, astronomically. So uh, you know, the, the trillion dollar figure. 
you know, put us another figure on that, maybe 2030, another decade's time. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I would say that as of today, you're almost at a point where traditional investment, that is investment that doesn't consider ESG and sustainability issues, is effectively dead. It's effectively non-compliant investment. So in a sense, within 20, before 2030, we've really, you're going to see that the, the whole market will really be having commitments to their consideration of climate change risks, to ESG risks. And so, you know, but I think we, we need to then start moving to redefine that. Um, now what's really important is um, which investors are doing this well, doing this really rigorously, really embedding this deeply um, and really creating a different portfolio and a different outcome that really delivers on sustainability objectives as well as um, as well as those core financial objectives. So by 2030, I think you know you, you're going to absolutely say this is just mainstream practice. All the finance departments of universities will have ESG as part of what they're teaching their graduates. That's already coming. Um, this will be embedded through regulation. You really will be non-compliant to be um, if you're not doing responsible investment. Um, but I think what becomes really important is well, what part of responsible investment? What super funds, fund managers, and others are actually? What are they achieving? What are they creating? What what impact are they having through the way they're doing responsible investment? So we're already now we're resetting the benchmark effectively of how we assess the market, and you've seen that probably most clearly in Europe, where we've just had new regulations come out that effectively starts defining the industry differently and prescribing what it means to do responsible investment really well versus in a sort of light touch way versus not at all. And you're starting to have fund managers having to report on where they sit against that. And I think that'll be a continuing trend. And so effectively, the bar rises and it's rising very rapidly for this market. Taking that on, then you know we are thinking that it's 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 mainstream now. You know you've mentioned the regulators and consumers. You know that everybody's pointing in the direction. Um, you know, singing from the same hymn sheet. To use a strange term, but the the one area in Australia where it has seemed to have lacked behind is with the government. You know, it seemed pretty intransigent until um, Biden was elected, and then he he immediately uh, signalled. Commitment to Paris. Do you see anything changing? Absolutely, and I think what we what we're seeing is this really interesting dynamic in Australia because in many other major markets around the world, this has been really strongly government led, uh, legislator and regulator led. You know, Europe's going through the whole process of legislating new laws and requirements. And even under Biden already, he's changing things around SEC requirements on ESG, and so there's a massive momentum. We don't have that same push from the legislators, from the policymakers, but we have a really strong push from the uh, regulators through APRA and ASIC and the RBA. Um, and so there's an interesting tension there. I think um, you know climate change is one of the big issues that's really uh, bringing, making this real in terms of how financially material this is. I think Australia, you're seeing that already as a government level is is starting to concede we need to have stronger targets, stronger objectives, stronger policies. Um, and so I think that will come. Um, and I think what's really interesting globally is governments are seeing that in order to deliver on any Paris Agreement targets, 2050 net zero targets, the private finance sector contribution to that is essential. The private finance sector alignment to that is just essential. And so most governments are seeing this as an opportunity that finance can do the heavy lifting towards the national achievement of these kinds of goals. And so I think maybe 
We haven't yet made that connection at a federal government level here just yet. I think we have a lot of really deep engagement at state government level, at regulator level. We're starting to get some traction there um, at a federal government level. We're really optimistic, actually, that by COP26 later this year, the big Glasgow climate meeting, that actually um, our government will see that actually the finance sector is has already come to the party. You know, we've, we've We've set out over the last year a big cross-sectoral roadmap around this, a policy roadmap, and um, they can effectively leverage that and the sector's ready to do that. And you're seeing the sector moving ahead and setting net zero emissions targets and responsible investment commitments, et cetera. So, um, so I think we'll, there'll be a bit of catch-up. We'll get some alignment. But you're right, there's still some, um, some challenges there. And I think a little bit of a, um, a temptation to misconstrue what it is and why it is that people are doing responsible investment. You know, I think there's a, there's a there's a fear that this might be something other than a risk management strategy and a good investment strategy, and that it's more about it's a political or an ideological thing. Which I think fundamentally the world has shown that's not the case. So so we're getting there. Um, it would make it easier and it'd be faster and more efficient with really clear government signals and direction. Um, but look, we work with what we've got, um, and you've got a lot of long term investors who need to look through the political cycles and look long term. Um, and there's a very clear signal as to where the world's going long term. Okay, yeah. I mean, I certainly don't want to get political myself. Um, but um, and one thing to, to perhaps um, give to back to, to uh, some of the political points I think were made in, in terms of measuring and standards, to me, it, it's, it's quite a complicated uh, scenario that we're looking at, and, and, I, I, uh, and I know uh, RIA has got its own certification for investors, but I just wondered if there's a um, you know need for a, a global standards body. You know, just um, to talk about one of the things that was mentioned um, recently was about you know carbon capture, time technology, and things. You know. Do we ever? Do you foresee a time when the, you know uh, a business that is offering that kind of technology and it meets all the other ESG criteria that it is seen as the you know it, the top echelon in terms of where your you know responsible investment is going and so the the coal fired fire, whatever at the bottom you know is 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 the worst and and so that it can be understood by sophisticated investors, wholesale investors, and consumers alike, so that there is a, a transparency for, for everyone. Yeah, I think you're spot on, and I think we're, we're starting to see that emerge now, and I think it's really needed. You know, we're, we're an industry that has rapidly emerged and become very big, and you've got regulators playing catch-up. You've got um, standards and, um, and you know the professionalization of our industry is happening very rapidly right now and it's sort of it's it's happened around us and now you're seeing this convergence around key standards so that we have some credibility around what it is that it means to be good at ESG or more sustainable and less sustainable and you know um particularly in light of when you have a lot of products coming to market saying they're sustainable funds ethical funds impact funds um there's i think right now we're in this moment of kind of confusion and we will rapidly move towards sort of landing on clear articulated standards and there's a need to do that. And so um, what we are seeing right now globally, there are standards upon which much of this is based and there is a global conversation to align those standards um, and we're seeing that occurring. Um, so a few examples, for, for example, our organisation, when 
we, we do certify investment products. And so we know and we've articulated for years what it takes to do responsible investment well and how you do that, many different approaches approaches to doing that, but what are, what are the elements you need to be able to demonstrate, substantiate and provide evidence that you're doing this well? Um, and so we have about 210 investment products certified that have to jump very high bar to demonstrate that and be able to make sure they're not misleading in what they're making claims, have to show their portfolio holdings, et cetera. So those standards that we apply there are based on globally um, set standards that we both uh, are sort of using and influencing. So through our connections through the Principles for Responsible Investment, the Global Sustainable Investment Alliance, and all these interactions going on globally, we're helping to shape that because we need we need that. But um, underpinning that as well is this definition of what is sustainable, which I think was part of your question too. Like, how do you know if it's a sustainable fund? And so Europe again is sort of leading the charge here with what they talk about their taxonomy, where basically they go and define every industry activity across an economy and say, this is green and this is not green. And so if you're going to claim you have a sustainable fund, you're going to need to demonstrate you've got 70 plus percent of the assets in your fund are green by this definition. And now there's work to align that. So you've got China pushing that, Canada, Australia here, we're starting to work on that as well to make sure there's an alignment and consistency. Because like you said, consumers are going to need it. We're going to need to be able to compare and contrast. It's going to be really important foundation going forward. Okay, well, that's, I suppose that will be one of the things we will be looking forward to see where that goes in, in, in the, the coming months and, and years. It is, it is moving at a pace. And, and finally, I'll, I'll just take you back. Uh, I know that you had uh, or a part of, uh, um, now, was it a summit or a conference last week? Um, uh, yeah, a big annual conference. Yeah, and, and awards. And, and in giving one out, you did talk about the significant amount of research Towards CSG, can I ask you about that? Why, why are we seeing that as well? I mean, it's all part of this um, growing need to be on top of um, where we where we're going. It is, and I think what what's really interesting is that if you're if you're an investment analyst today, sitting in a fund manager or super fund, the issues as a responsible investor, the issues you're needing to deal with on a day-to-day basis are massively varied and changing all the time. Like one day you need to be an expert on um, gender and diversity issues and how that impacts the effectiveness of a board and an executive level. You then need to be dealing with Indigenous cultural heritage protection, how that's going to impact on resources companies in Australia. You're then going to be asked to do climate change disclosures around your emissions and the impact uh, then you'll be, and then you'll be analysing modern slavery reports that all the ASX-listed companies have had to do. So, all of a sudden, you've got this massive range of topics you're meant to be an expert on, and then understand how that impacts your portfolio. So, as a result, we are needing and seeing this emergence of really good quality, strong research to help us inform and aggregate knowledge and share that through the industry. And that's coming from your traditional sell-side brokers, um, but you've got your ESG research houses. But then you're seeing research put out by fund managers, by super funds, much more collaborative, really sharing information on issues and themes and how that plays out. And so I think that's really important that we have that really healthy ecosystem around this to ensure investors ultimately are fully informed about all of those issues that are now impacting whether an ASX-listed company is going to be successful or going to blow themselves up in the next year. You know, like these are there's a lot of issues to get our heads around. So... So, yeah, that research is really important. We, we do these awards just to acknowledge that and to encourage that ecosystem of, um, of research. Um, and, yeah, I think it's, it was great, actually, um, 
to see, you know, the diversity of research that, that was put out over the last year. We're just seeing that growing every year. Where that's coming from is, is more and more diverse. Brilliant. Thank you. I did say that was the last question, but if I can, I'll sneak in one final one, if I may. And um, Ria and Fincia are both Australasia organisations. I won't go into great details. Um, are we seeing much uh, differences between Australia and New Zealand? Yeah, we are. Um, and New Zealand is probably one of the fastest moving markets right now in responsible investment of any market in the world. And it's done a few firsts lately. So one of the firsts that it's done is it has mandated that default KiwiSaver funds, so default super funds are my super product equivalent over there, must by late this year have fossil fuel exclusions in place across all their default funds um, and must have a commitment to responsible investment. So you've just upped the bar there massively, probably the first mandated pension scheme anywhere in the world that has done this. Um, and secondly, they've just mandated um, disclosure on climate-related issues, the TCFD, the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, have just been legislated through that not only listed companies but also large financial organisations will have to, under law, start disclosing their climate-related financial um, risks and the management of that. And so, again, a bit of a first there. So you see this, and, and again, the difference in markets here is, is really sort of legislator and regulator-led um, but with a really an industry that's moving really rapidly there as well. So there's some great um, momentum there, um, and and it's meant that, that that industry, you know, seen a really strong uptake um, in terms of responsible investment across KiwiSaver, across funds management, across their sovereign wealth funds, etc. So so it's a really interesting market with its own dynamics, and one we uh, we um, actually have a conference there on the. 2nd of June, um, so which would be good to finally get over there on, on the ground now that bubble's open. So, um, yeah. so yeah, a lot of really interesting momentum in New Zealand as well. Well, on that, and as I did say, it was the last, I'll say on behalf of FINSEA members, uh, Simon, thanks again, and um, hopefully we'll um, catch up in the not near, not too distant future. Right. Thanks, Lewis. Really good to chat again. Thank and you. Thank you. Thank you.